keep on telling me happy birthday on Facebook. It's a good thing. Keep happy birthday. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Be holy is right here just in case somebody need them. If you start crying, when something I say, just, just wave your hand. You got them? Okay. Throw, yeah, cover your throats up this morning. We got throat shots all around. Throat shots all around. Hallelujah. Let's, let's do the confessions first before we start throat shotting. Throat shots good for you though, man. If you want to change, you don't mind correction. If you don't want to change, then you don't like nobody telling you what you're doing wrong. Change, you know, say, hey, look, hey, man, you, you know, if you want to change, you don't take it personal. You know, because it's not meant to be taken personal, because everybody, even me, I can improve. I got faults. I mess up. Right? So, I mean, sometimes I have to be told, hey, look here now. You know. Amen. But just be give. Got y'all. He got y'all this morning. Father, I thank you in advance that I'm always changed by my time spent in worship. And in the word. I am a believer. And not a doubter. Therefore, all things are possible for me. I recognize that it's not by my might, nor by my power, but by your spirit, working mightily in me, which I overcome any adversity I may face on our journey. I am not afraid of what sickness can do to me. Because by your stripes, I am healed. I'm not afraid of financial lack. Because all my needs are met according to your riches and glory. Therefore, I live out of your pockets and not mine. And I cannot be overcome. Now watch this. By fear or depression. Because you have gifted me with your peace that passes all understanding. And you won't take it back. And I, I am an overcomer because you overcame. And I cannot be stopped. And I won't be stopped. I love you, Lord, because you're a good, good father. You're a father to the fatherless. And no one has to go fatherless. Amen. You can sit down. Listen, I'm going to start off with this right here. Throat shot number one. Throat shot number one. Excuses. Excuses are crutches for the uncommitted. Excuses are crutches for the uncommitted. Did you hear what I said? Did everybody understand the concept of a crutch? When you're making excuses, that's to hold up your lack of commitment. I don't want to stand up right and do right, so I'm going to make excuses. Excuses are the crutches for the uncommitted. Right? You shouldn't be, listen, let me tell you, some, some people are at a, such a volatile spiritual state, you don't never need to miss church. If you know you don't read your Bible, you only you know, ain't nobody else looking through your window. You know you don't read your Bible and you know you don't pray. I don't care what's happening at your house. If your car break down in the driveway, you need to go to every neighbor you got and beat on their door and tell them, I need to get to church. Come on. 
Yeah. I don't care if you got to break out your kids skateboard. If you know, hey, look, this is the only time I eat. Grab your purse, clutch the bottom of your dress, and get with it. Get there. If you know you don't read, you know you don't pray like you're supposed to, you know you don't spend time with God, you just a, a, a crisis away from being from all destruction hitting your house and falling apart. Because you ain't got no walls built up. You ain't got no protection. His word is your protection. The Bible says in Psalm 91, he says, because I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, that's I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's my protection. He go down the list and start going over his protection. He said, my protection is my relationship with God. That's my protection. Now listen, you don't, you, you just drop, stop by and visit. You don't got no relationship. Hey, God. How, how do a Christian stop by and visit and say, hey, God, what you do is you put a bump sticker on the back of your, your car. Hey, God, got my bumper sticker, John 316, bumper sticker. Then every time somebody puts something on Facebook, you got a little Christian response that you come back with. God is good. Right, God, God is good. All the time, God is good. You come back with that, look, and that's, that's as deep as your situation goes. So remember what we talked about the last time? You know, the big bad wolf come and he huff and he puff and he start blowing on your house. Mm-hmm. Right? And your, your, your house ain't made out of no kind of uh, no rock out of the word of God and your house get blown down. Mm-hmm. Right? Excuses are crutches for the uncommitted. We're going to talk about a problem that I discovered that I have and that I'm sure that everybody else in the whole room got. This morning, we're going to go somewhere. I love the book of Exodus. I have always loved it. I don't know why. I just always have. And I, I now I know it's a part of my calling. Right? Moses, I'm, I get so excited about the process that Moses went through, the whole task that was at hand, what he went there to do. God's people were in bondage, and he sent Moses over there to go get them and take them to the promises. Yeah. And I always felt that was a part of my, that just, I, I didn't say, well, hey, this is my life's vision. I just always felt like, man, people in bad shape, they need to get to the right place. And I look at that book of Exodus and how, what, everything that God had to do to get them to that place, and I just was amazed by the whole thing. Every piece of it. I, I'm just, I find myself constantly, ooh, ah, oh, wow, oh my God. Oh, it's just full of it. Twists and turns. God doing work. Right, the people, and how they gonna respond? And this happened, and that happened, and the golden calf, and Aaron telling lies that God didn't even ask him for. I threw the gold earrings in there, and and, and it just jumped out. I threw it in there, and it just came out. I just took it like a stew, and it just turned out tasted good. And the cow jumped out. But that Aaron was something else. That was that. That just go to show you, boy. Hey, look, every, everybody in leadership ain't the best leader. Come on. Matter of fact, when God went to picking the priests, he just started telling me, he said, look, your boy going to be a priest. All your kids, they're going to be priests. Ain't nobody get screened <laughs> for spirituality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ain't nobody get screened for spirituality. This is what y'all going to do. Make them these clothes, hook them up with this outfit. Deck them out, get them that, that gold chain with that piece, that plate. That's where them rappers got it from. 
Right? Hook them up with that, that gold plate and put them jewels and diamonds across there. Make them a hat with the same thing on it. Right? And make them the cologne. That's why I like to smell good. Make them that cologne. Can't nobody else wear this cologne that we make for the priests. It's just exclusive for them. Right? It's ex- oh, it was exclusive. I better not see y'all wearing this cologne. He said, it'll be shut down. Right? So, so God, listen, God went out of his way for the priest because he expected them to go out of his, their way for him. Amen. He said, everybody going to bring everything they got to y'all. Tenth of what they got coming to y'all. You better act right. And you would think they would snap. But we as people don't have as much snap as we think we got across the board. I want to talk to you today about about change a little bit. I did a series on, uh, and you can check it out on my podcast, on Podbean, just look, look for my name. But I did a series sometime back on eight steps to change. And I'm going to talk a little bit about change this morning from a, a specific area. And what the Lord showed me was, and I think we were in, uh, we was with B on Monday night. We were in the men's group. And the Lord showed me something very significant that really shocked me. Because I said, man, I went through some of this stuff in my life. And that was that the, the Lord took the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I'm going to give you these three points just in case. We're going to make three points this morning. And I'm gonna, I, I try to do this. I don't hit the ball. I don't hit, hit the ball right all the time. First point is you have to be committed to change. Write that down. Do whatever you got to do with it. Don't try to remember it. Write it down. You got too much going on already. Change, and the second point is change and deliverance is often a process. And the third point is con- attach yourself to someone who's committed to overcoming and trusting in the Lord. Amen. Point number one, you have to be committed to change. Point number two is change and deliverance is often a process. And point number three is you have to attach yourself to someone who's committed to overcoming and trusting in the Lord, because that's the only way you're going to change. If it change ain't in you, you need to attach yourself to somebody else that's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it if anybody else going to have it. And you just ride their coattails. When they turn left, you turn left. When they turn right, you turn right. An example of, of this being committed to change is the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. God told Moses, he said, Mo, I want you to go get them. Go get my people. He said, I heard they cry, and I want you to go rescue them. Go get them out of there. But them coming out of Egypt meant that it would be change. It was going to be different because where you were once slaves, now you're going to be free and prosperous. You say, well, anybody can deal with that change, Pastor. No, they can't. Because now the change don't just have to happen. Change has to be sustained. So they had a problem sustaining change. So he sends Mo over there to go get him. And Mo went loaded. Mo went over there packing what needed to be packed to get him out of there. And the Lord sent Moses over to tell, uh, sent, uh, uh, Moses over to go and tell the Pharaoh. He said, I want, I want you to free my people. Let my people go. The thing that got me the most was how committed, and not just committed, but how active God was in their deliverance. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I've read another time in the Bible to where I saw the way they talked about God, that it was like God was out there wrecking stuff. 
It's like God said, I'm so heated about this situation. I'm coming down and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get involved in this myself. The Bible says that when the, the children of he said about Pharaoh, he said, go tell Pharaoh that I'm going to do this plague, I'm going to do that plague, and I'm going to do that plague. But he said, he's not going to let y'all go because I'm going to harden his heart. And I'm going to make him take longer than he would have already done. Now, understand something. God didn't make Pharaoh not want to let him go. He just made him take longer. Pharaoh already didn't want to let him go. He already had it on his mind, I'm not letting him go. God just said, I'm going to make it more intense. And he said, he said, I got a purpose with the intensity. He said, I want them 100% to know who I am. I want you to ask yourself in your life, what deliverance process are you in right now that's taking time that the hand of God may be in so that somebody or you can know what he's all about? Yeah, hallelujah. What are you going through? Matter of fact, there was one time when he was bringing them through. He said, I'm not going to take them. He said, he said, uh, I'm not, I'm not, when he was intending for them to go into the promised land, he said, I'm, a, I'm a, we're going to take the people out just a little bit at a time. He said, we could get them all at one time, but we're not going to do that. Because if we take them all out at one time, the, 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 uh, the wild animals will take over the land and they'd be too innumerable for you to come back from. Who knew that? God's always doing something that you don't know about. And so we always mad at God. God said on purpose I'm not going to make it happen fast. Yeah. What is happening in your life that on purpose God ain't making it happen fast? It's good. Because God knows what's on the other side of that thing. Yeah, so I'm not going to make it happen fast. Now, the children of Israel over there were in a situation at first because Joseph was there. And Joseph, we all know the story about how Joseph went over and Joseph was administrating everything. And he had the dream. And he really saved the Egyptians from extinction. He saved everybody because well, nobody going to have no food, right? And so after a while, the Bible says that the uh, uh, the leadership changed and the folks started to forget about what Joseph had done. Mm-hmm. Only thing they know is these uh, Israelite people just keep having these babies. And they outnumbering us. And so he said, what we're going to do is we're going to get the, the midwives. I'm a, the, the, the Pharaoh told the midwife, he said, when you do the office of the midwife, right? When you see the, uh, the baby coming through there, if it's a boy... You know, uh, kill it. If it's a girl, let it live. But the children, the midwives didn't listen to the Pharaoh. Right? And the Bible says that the Lord had favor on them. Then he said after that, he said, we're going to get these boys and we're going to just throw them in the river. We, we, we're throwing these firstborn sons. We, we're getting rid of them. We're throwing them in the river. Right? So that didn't work. They had a man named Moses that God had to escape the killing. Right? And we all know the story of that, that his mama made the little, the, the boat with the pitch and sent him down the river and the Pharaoh's daughter, see that, I'm gonna tell you how big and how in charge God is. The man, the woman's daddy said, we're killing all of the kids. God said, you're gonna kill all of the kids to stop me? Ha ha! I'm gonna make you raise the one that's gonna shut y'all down. I'm gonna put him in your own house. The one who's going to grow up to a man to shut you down. I'm going to make you raise him. I'm going to make you feed him. I'm going to make you clothe him. I'm going to make you honor him. I'm going to make you teach him. And I'm going to, listen, I'm going to separate him from everybody else. So he won't think like them. You're going to, in fact, deposit the conqueror inside of the person that's going to conquer you. Hey. He had to get somebody from the outside because the children of Israel's mind was too stuck in bondage. He said, I'm going to take one of their own, but I'm going to move them to the outside because their head messed up. 
I want you to understand that your headspace limits the hand of God. Your headspace will limit God. What you've been through, what you do every day, where you take your mind, it will limit God's hand. That's why God said, I can't, my, my deliverance can't even start with somebody from the inside. I got to bring somebody from the outside. So he raises him up, he lives in his house, and then at a certain point, mom gotta start getting conscious. This ain't cool. Yeah. This ain't right. Let me tell you something, if you're gonna serve God, you got to have some of that on the inside of you about something, that this ain't cool and this ain't right. That's right. Something, some form of injustice, something that's going on against God, there's got to be something inside of you that says this ain't right. I'm going to stand up for this. And Mo said, Mo saw uh, them handling some of his people. And Mo went over the Bible and says he killed them. Yep. And he didn't know nobody knew. Then he found out that they knew. And Mo said, I got to get out of here because the Pharaoh's after me. <laughs> so here's Mo over here, meets his wife. Mo, Moses then fled and left from his place where he was. God over here blessed him and gave him a wife, gave him a wise father-in-law. And he's over here working for 40 years and the children of Israel praying, but they don't know. They're like, man, God ain't coming. It's been 40 years we've been praying. 400 years we've been in slavery. At least 40 years we've been crying out. But they don't know what God knows. Come on. Let me do it to you again. What are you praying for that you don't know that God's working on somewhere far, far away? Come on. Come on. They praying and God raising up Mo. He training them over there. Doing something to him. First, he had to remove Mo from the group of the people that were in slavery and stick him over there in the, in the uh, Pharaoh's house. Then he had to remove him from Pharaoh. God's taking years to take stuff out of people so that he can use the person. Why, why do you think it's taking you so long? People think, well, I can change. I'm ready for this now. No, you're not. You've been doing the same dumb crap for 25 years. It's going to take some years to get that stuff out of you and help you change. And we can see, especially from this, this book of Exodus, that God, you say, well, God, God can do anything through anybody. He can. Yeah. But most of the time, he, the people, the people's mind is stopping God. That's right. So God said, I got to move you to a different situation so I can change your mind. Yeah. What did God say to you when you first came over here? <laughs> PB, expect it to be different. Remove you from one environment so that I can feed something else into you and watch my word take off in your life. Mm-hmm. Did it not happen? God said, I got to move you. I got to switch. It matters where you are. It matters who you're around. These people was in slavery for 400 years. 400 years. And God came over and started doing these miracles. Let's look at some of these plagues. As I was watching and then I, I read in the scripture... Well, God said, I ain't going to kill him. He said, I could kill him, but I ain't going to kill him. Because you think about some of the stuff that God did with these plagues. The first plague is he turned the water to blood. That was serious. But they still could dig. They had to dig on the side to get water, but they still could get some water. Right? Then he, then he sent frogs in there. He said, I'm going to run them frogs up in your house. There's going to be so many frogs running around here. It's going to get on your nerves so, ba- so bad. I'm going to run the frogs up in your leader's house. They're going to be in the palace. The frogs going to be everywhere. I'm running them up in there, right? And so then, as he ran the frogs in there, the Bible says that the, that Pharaoh's dudes say, oh, we can do frogs too, homie. We got that, <laughs> right? So then they, they come with the frogs, but they couldn't even take the frogs away. They made the frogs, but God had to take the frogs away. Yeah. So God took the frogs away, and Pharaoh's still feeling strong. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. They're messing with me, but I'm still in charge. No, you're not. 
So then the Bible says the third plague was the, the plague of the lice or the gnats. Oh my God. I just thought about that whole situation. Now he got it for you whether you're white or black or anywhere in between. Right? We don't, uh, lice don't bother us. Ain't that right, Miss Twilight? We don't get lice. Right? But, but the gnats, if there was any, any of our dark brothers over there, them gnats got to them. Right? The lice got to y'all. Right? Everybody in here got a problem. We don't get that lice. We don't get that lice. But them gnats. Oh, them gnats. Can you imagine just a few that be around you, bananas? They just everywhere. I'm talking about not just a few, every ounce of space. You know how them black bugs come out at a certain time of year and you're driving down the road and you're hitting them and they all smearing on the front of your car? Just imagine gnats 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 times more than that. Just emptying your face. All in the building, all over the place. He said, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to irritate you. Because, exactly. you, know, you know, you done sent, you done turned the water to blood, you sent the frogs, you sent the gnats. Let's run some lines up in there. Let's run some lines up in there and just, just kill them all, then we can go free, we can take that stuff. God said, no, nah, I ain't going to do it like that. Because I want y'all to know I, what I can do. Every move I make, you know if I can do this move, I can do worse to you. Right? So he's letting them know. He's like, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I'm fixing it. I'm going to do this, and everything going to change. But, but understand, look at this. God's deliverance process is taking time. Right? Every step. And God's patience. He's methodical. I'm working it out. So then he said, he said, flies. Oh, my God, I know about flies. Do we know about flies? Gibsons? We know about flies. Oh, my God, do we know about flies? I will tell you a story. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to paraphrase the best I can. Look at here. There was a situation at a certain place. And the, the place was on a timeline. Right? And right before the timeline, the place discovered that some rats had got inside of the building. At first we thought it was squirrels and we thought it was uh, possums and we thought it was raccoons. But I had a guy come over just like the, like the, the I'm talking about the bug master. He said, I can tell by the, the droppings. They're what's called, you, he said, you have roof rats. Because we ain't seen no rats. You got roof rats. They like to crawl in the attic. She saw one. He said, they like to crawl in the attic. And cause, because we was hearing them squabbling like grown men, like Tyson versus, you know, Tyson Fury versus Wilder up in there, uh, squabbling. I'm talking about Pastor Lori was meeting with somebody and the, the, uh, she came in and got, she said, babe, you need to come here. <laughs> and she said, I thought they was going to break through the wall. I said, oh my God. Right? By the way, God didn't even shoot the rats through the plagues. Yeah, they ain't, the rats ain't on the list. And so, uh, you know, I'm, 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 this is a situation. I got a timeline. We, we about to open. I got to get rid of this. Right? At a certain place. We about to open. I got to, I got to deal with this. So I'm, 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 now my whole life mission is studying on how to get rid of these jokers. I'm going to apply myself. I'm, I have to get them out of here. This is, this is serious. They ain't now whistling and everything. You know that roof rats make noise? Oh yeah, they start making noise. I'm recording noises and playing it for people. You know what this is? No, we don't know what that is. Sound like a squirrel. Now it ain't no squirrel. Brother Cooper and I putting cages up there trying to catch all kind of animals. Nothing in the cages. Nothing coming. The cage, the thing go down. The food is gone because the hole was small enough for him to get through. So then, guess what? Because I was, I was committed. 
I can't make no excuses. I got to get them. So I went down and I found after all my Facebook study, I'm talking about my YouTube. You can look at my YouTube history, streams and streams of videos. First, we start trying to catch raccoons and possums and stuff like that. And then how do we get through roof rats and what do it sound like when they make a noise? Oh, the, the, the way to get them. And then Big Al, you remember Big Al? <laughs> Alec, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, AJ was with us. I said, we got a plan. We got to execute, gentlemen. <laughs> so we went through. Dropping paws everywhere. I said, throw it up in every every place of the ceiling. Every throw it everywhere. So then, in two days, no more squabbling, no more fighting, no more noise. Right? No, no more noise. Oh, you got a little smell, but the smell wasn't even that bad. So then, there was one point we was in a certain portion of the place, and one of the junior members. <laughs> what did she call the thing? Little fatty. One of the junior members said, she was in the building, she said, look at these little fatties on the ground. <laughs> look at all these little fatties on the ground. And so the, the mom and the dad was like, you know, what's a little fatty? Everything going to be all right. It couldn't be nothing, you know, big. So she kept talking about the little fatties, and they went over in the room, and the little fatties was fat maggots. That's right. That started from the, from the deadness of the, the rats. They drop it, Right? And so then, after a while, now we, we cleaned up as much as we could. But yeah, she soldiered it now. Give me some. You know, always have respect for me for that. Listen, you will have soldier status for life for me for that. She, she was about that, because I wasn't even about that. Right? So she got there. I wasn't about it, JV. I wasn't about it. So she got up there and went to work. And then after a while, that stuff, you know, uh, maggots turn into flies. I'm like, what these big old, what these big old? So I'm looking like it must be the time of year, right? Can't be that, because they're everywhere. So now I got to study how to kill the flies. I got to find out how to kill the flies. We got rid of the, the rats, I got to kill the flies. So I got my own plague situation jumping off over here. So then, hey, look what, I, I, I'm committed. I got to get rid of them. So we got rid of them. We got rid of. So, so I'm from experience. It was traumatic for me. It, it took a while for me to shake it all off because I, I, my life was dominated by that. Every time my wife asked me, "Do you want? Do you want?" No, I'm, I'm on YouTube. I have to figure this out. I have to figure this out. And so I was. I was. I had what is that? Uh, 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 PTD, PTSD for a little while after this whole situation because it was so traumatic, right? So understand. You don't have to send no lion up in there. This was just a, in what they went through, this was just a little thing. Now you imagine, you all up in your house, he said the, 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 the frogs was on the bed. Ooh, I don't want no frogs. I don't even like my dogs on my bed. Frogs on your bed. And so then what happened? He says, okay, the Pharaoh said, uh, pray, pray, pray for me. Pray to the Lord. He said he prayed and the frogs all died. They didn't hop away, they died. So I bet they, what happened after the frogs? The gnats came. Oh, the flies came on them too. The lice, the gnats, then the flies, then the livestock started dying. Then they look around, everybody got balls all over their skin. Not, not, not God's folk. Not, not the children of Israel. Just, just the Egyptian folks. God said, we're going to keep it just over here. Over for y'all. So then the, he says, listen, he said, now, after the balls, any livestock, any livestock y'all got left, you might want to put them in the garage. 
Put your vehicles up. Anything you hold valuable, you might want to put that up. Because I'm about to send hell down here like y'all ain't never seen before. And so it says some of them, stupid. Like, far as gone, far as gone. Stupid is as stupid does. Right? That some of them didn't know that. They didn't, they didn't put that stuff up. And the hell came down. And if you want to go outside, folks getting killed, uh, livestock, animals, dogs, everything getting killed, right? And then he says he sent the locusts. And the locusts were so many, like, they was just all over the ground. Right? Now, this is worse than Fear Factor. Remember that TV show? Got locusts all over the ground. Locusts everywhere, right? And then if that wasn't enough, he said, well, we're fixing to smite this joker with darkness. You're not going to be able to see your hand in front of your face. The Pharaoh still don't want to let him go. And then the Pharaoh got mad. He said, Mo, if I see you, he said, man, on everything I love, this is gangster talk, on everything I love, if I see you again, I'm going to kill you, man. Mm. Mo said, uh, I hear what you're saying. You're right. You're not going to see me no more, chief. Mm. And then God said, he said, every one of the firstborn, not of the children of Israel, he said, everyone the firstborn, he said, and, and then when the, when the firstborn started dying, he said, the people were wailing. They was yelling and they was wailing. He said, and over where the children of Israel was, not even a dog was barking. Peace over there. Firstborn died. So then Pharaoh said, he said, man, go. Y'all go with your young and go with your old. Go, everybody, take your stuff. And the Bible said that God had, it was so much pressure on the people. The children of Israel, had, uh, he told them, he said, go borrow their stuff. Gold and valuables and this and that and other. So you got, you know, uh, uh, 82, 86-year-old women coming out of there when they leaving, you know, with mink coats on and jewelry, weighing them down. Get my stuff. Bring me there. Can't even, you know, can't even hold it. Mink coats on and jewelry and diamonds on every finger. Leaving out of there with all that stuff, right? The whole possession. They just, God did it. He said, when I bring you out, I'm bringing you out. Now, it's a process. But when I bring you out, I'm bringing you out. So they went from being slaves to being rich in a short period of time, but it was a process. So God walked them out of there. They get out, and uh, and and then Pharaoh got over there and he got to thinking again. He said, "Man, what am, what am I? I'm tripping. They was building everything for us. They was taking care of us." He said, "And we let them go? Oh no, we got to go get them back." So he, he got all his people together. Again, this is God's, God's doing. Got all his people together. He said, we're riding deep. Let's go get them back. And so they got over there and the people, now God done done all these 10 things, right? And so the people get over there and they say, man, Mo, we knew you wasn't about nothing. When we saw you, you wasn't even one of us, man. And you come over here talking about you're going to get us out. And now you done got us out here and the man coming. They say the man coming. The man coming to get us. And you got us stuck out. We camped over here. The water right here. They coming. What we going to do? We can't build a boat that fast. Just start complaining. Acting stupid. Now at first, when when God first started the, the plagues coming, the Pharaoh said, listen, uh, I'm, I'm not going to give you all the straw to make the bricks no more. You're going to have to go get your own straw, make your own bricks, and you still got to turn out your quota of stuff. Yeah. And the people said, look what you've done. Right? They constantly complain. Even God was, while God was working, they was constantly complaining. We're going to get to the point of why in a minute. They was constantly complaining. Every time God do something, it was like their spirituality was bipolar. Wow. 
So God got them out. They get over there by the water. God, now God done got a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. He protected them, stopping the people from getting to them over there. Then the water's right there. And then God said, look, he said, this, 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 this it. I, I believe God and the angels up there dancing. We got them. We got them. We're going to get them. It's over. It's over. All right, Mo, let me get serious again. Listen, what I want you to do, I want you to have Aaron raise up his rod. Y'all lift up the rod, and I'm going to split the waters, and y'all going to walk through. They open that, raise that rod up, that water split. The Bible says that they could see a wall of water on each side. Yeah. And they was walking through. The Bible says they walked through. It wasn't even muddy, JV. Dry ground. Didn't even mess up their new Jordans. Right? Everybody just moving through. You know, they, they nice shoes. The women got the nice shoes and nothing, nothing getting muddy. We just walking through. They walk all the way through the water and get over there to the other side. And the Bible says that the Egyptians say, we can do the same thing too again. Mm-hmm. And they get inside of there and God say, oh, it's a wrap for them now. You took the bait. Closed the water up and drowned everybody. They all died. Egyptians was all over with. No more Pharaoh. It's a wrap. So then in verse 15, or chapter 15, chapter 15 of Exodus, they write a song. They write a song. God is cold. He's amazing. I, I don't know if it's a rap or what it was. They just wrote a song. It's in there. About, about 21 verses worth of worth song. In there. They wrote that song talking about God, how good he is. My God is great. My God is greater. Awesome in power. Lord, you are higher than him. They celebrate. Chapter 15. Chapter 15 the first half of it. Get over to chapter 16. They ain't got nothing to eat. You should have let us stay over there. One chapter over, PB. One chapter. You just told God how cold he was, how awesome he was, and now you're saying, the, the, the folks dead. How you gonna go back? <laughs> so you're saying you'd rather God not kill all the folks and free you from slavery, and God didn't got money, but you ain't got nothing to eat? God has done all these ten things here, open up the water for you, and you think God ain't gonna finish the rest of the process? It's good. Sitting up there complaining with jewelry on. <laughs> Mink coats and gold chain. We ain't got nothing to eat. We don't, we don't have nothing to eat. Mo, you should have just left. They was giving us meat and onions and leeks over there. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I don't, there ain't no meat that good. Ain't no meat that good. Ain't no beans. Because you come to Fat Floyd to get the brisket and the beans. It's good, but it's not that good for me to want to stay over there. I can't stay. Let me, let me be free. Yeah. But let me tell you why that happened. Though God showed his hand strong, though God showed his hand powerful, 12 or 13 miracles wasn't going to undo 400 years worth of bondage. Wasn't going to do it. Wasn't going to undo it. Mental bondage. Mental bondage. They had been in bondage for 400 years. Now understand, these people was living a long time back then. So they didn't just have a set of Grandparents and a set of great grandparents, they had great great, great great great, great 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 great. Everybody living telling them stories of how it is to be a slave. This is how we live. The Pharaoh is the man. He keeping us down. The Pharaoh is the man keeping us down, and we this is how what it is like, and we just slaves around here, and this is how it go for all these years, and we can't never do no better because the Pharaoh, he got us. We the Pharaoh's property. Don't you ever forget that. They, they're translating that to their young folks. And that's what they grow up believing. 
that this is who we are. So when God take them out of there, they keep trying to find a reason to go back because that's all they knew. Even after God had done all these signs and strong things in their life, they still think about we slaves. This is That's what they identified with. We slaves. This is who we are. And you're standing out with, ev- with the evidence of a fallen society all around you. Gold, valuables, everything these people got, God and brought you out of that with. Now, listen, I don't care if he never sent not one plague. Man, it's... But, and I'm saying this, watch me, watch me, watch me fix it. I'm saying, split the water for me and let me walk across on dry ground. I don't need to see nothing else. That's what I'm saying. You might say the same thing, but that's not true. That's not true. Because depending on the bondage that you've been through in an area, it takes more time to get that, that bondage out of you. And we all like that. How many of us have seen God do something extraordinary and knew that it was only God that could do it? And a few minutes later, we complain, talking about God, why you let that happen? Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my hand up. I'm not an example. I'm telling you, I done done it. Yep. Why you let that happen? Let me see your hand. Right? Because it didn't take you, it took you so long to get into the state of mind that you're in. It's going to take time to get you out of that state of mind. And God knows that a person is in bondage according to their state of mind. So we, so if you look at the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers, they got parallels. Same thing going on in the book of Exodus, going on in the book of Numbers. So Exodus don't talk about what it talks about in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. It ain't in the book of Exodus. In Numbers chapter 13, he said, go, he said, not, but he talked about taking them to the promised land, but he said, uh, 13 over here and 14, I want, we're going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Not only are we going to, not only did we break you free from slavery, from Pharaoh, he said, and y'all, everybody, you know, grandma, you like that mink coat? I know you do. I look good. You wearing that thing well. Right? If, if I, if I had created magazines already, you would be in one, but that's a few years still to come. But you're looking good, grandma. You're looking good. He said, but that's not the end of it. He said, we're going. We're going to the promised land, the land flowing milk and honey. He said, I made a covenant with your people. It just ain't for you. He said, I'm a God that can't lie. Uh-huh. So I got, to, I got to finish what I started. We're going to the promised land. Yep. So he said, you know, they decided to go send some spies over there and check it out. Ten, twelve of them. They got over there and checked it out. It was everything. God, they found out God didn't lie. But they, for some reason, thought that God didn't know that these other people was over there and they was going to have to fight. God, you was right about how good it was over there. But did you know that they got these people over there? <laughs> who is they stuff right now? God had already told them in the book of Exodus all the names of the ites who, who stuff it is right. I know they over there, chief. I didn't forget that. I didn't brought you this far. We're fixing to fight and take it. That's what we're finna do. And so uh, they come back and they say, yeah, just like you said, but the people over there. And we say, we see ourselves as grasshoppers in their sight. There's nothing we can do with them. We can't win, God. So do we see a pattern here of them continuing to fall back into that slave state of mind? Continuing. And so God say, what? What you say? Now I want you to understand when you read the, you read the book of Exodus, when they was coming out of that, the Bible says when the children of, uh, when the uh, uh, Egyptians were coming through that water, it said that God jammed up the wheels. 
God damn. And you read the intensity of how God was in the middle of the whole situation going on. God was personally, I don't understand the hand of God, but God was doing stuff, making it happen. He was in it. it was, God, God was mad about that whole thing right there. He was mad about the slavery thing. He was making it happen. And so God invests himself into their deliverance in this way. Moses invests his, himself into the deliverance. People coming out of there, he's saying, y'all, after I done done all this from y'all, you're saying, we, 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 what? We're not going in. He told the people, he said, you, you're going to have what you say. So you've spoken in my ear, so that's what I'm going to do. You're not going. He said, every one of y'all, 20 years or older, your body going to drop in this wilderness. You're not going. But I'm going to take the kids who you said that couldn't do it, and I'm taking them in. And so they all died off. He got the kids. He gets the kids, and he's going to take the kids in. Right? So so they, they come out from 400 years of slavery. He spends 40 years developing the kids. Now the oldest kid, if he was 19, he's 59 now. He said, we're going now. And I got Joshua. He said, I'm going to tell, but I am going to take Joshua and Caleb because they not like y'all. That's right. They don't have to change. For some reason, they don't have to change. Person might say of Joshua and Caleb, well, they hung out with Moses. They hung out with Moses. That's why they were so strong. And that's why they, you know, they was Moses' assistants. They say they were. Let me say, I'll say this about that. In order for them to get to that level of service to Moses, they had to be about something in the beginning. And the second thing, my third point was that I did not say you need to attach yourself to somebody. They attached themselves to Moses. Do you think that if it was other people who really wanted to 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 uh, to conquer and walk by faith, that they didn't have the opportunity to attach themselves to them? That was opportunities. Nobody else wanted it. Attach yourself to somebody. Who's going, if somebody gonna do it, it's gonna be me. That's how I learn how to walk by faith. That's how I learn how to get back up when I get knocked down. Because I surround, and I'm gonna tell you something, it's not just so much people, but it comes through audio cassettes before you had YouTube. It come through CDs before you had YouTube. It come through DVDs, it come through books. I don't, some of these people I never met in my life. I never met Noble Hayes in my life. I never met John Osteen in my life. I've never met Kenneth Copeland in my life. I've never met Kenneth Hagin in my life. I've never met Lester Sumrall in my life. I've never met these people. Never in my life. But they have taught me so much. I've never met the Bishop Jakes in my life. But I've listened to some of the stuff they've taught 30 times, 30 plus times. One one message from one of them. And I still go back and listen to them. One of my most valuable possessions in the world is a set of 1988 Lakewood Church Pastors Conference tapes I got. Mm. You know how some people come and say, I want you to see this artwork, this picture, this art. Look at this. It's old. Now, I want you to see these tapes. (laughs) 1988, baby. I want you to see these tapes. I want you, one of my most valuable is a set of cassettes that I get, got from Kenneth Copeland, uh, the classic series, where he teaches about everything. He teaches about faith. He teaches about healing. And then he got another set called The Authority of the Believer. My most valuable stuff. That's the most valuable stuff to me in the world. Not, not, not my boots, not my whatever. only thing more valuable than them is my wife. And if she fall out of faith, then she got a problem. 
Because I understand the value of the word. I understand the value of the word. They would not allow the word to work in their life. And God said, oh, he said, I wanted to get them out, but they had too much bondage. I can never be able to use them. I can't take them in. And so what did God do? He said, look, I got to, I got to take the next, next generation. I got to get the next generation in there. They, they, they've been, I can't use them. I can't use them. They mind messed up. It's, it's too much slavery still in them. They won't come out. And so he takes the kids over there. And he said, now we're ready to go. He takes Joshua and he takes Caleb. But we see this happen in the Bible and other places when Jesus walking. Jesus said uh, in Jerusalem, he said, I could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Yep. That's right. they, they tie my hands. I can't do nothing for them. You think that because you come to church once or twice a week, that that's going to free you from everything you've been exposed to your whole life to this point? No, it's not going to do it for you. There has to be constant intake. Constant intake. That mean, I don't mean all day and uh, all day and night, but almost every time you get an opportunity, if you really want to change, you got to be hearing yes. what God said to you exactly. as it pertains to your covenant with God, what he promised you, what, whatever you're stuck on, you need to be hearing from God on how he'll free you from it. Yep. Somebody preaching it, some scriptures on it, you need to be praying about it if you really want to change. Yep. I'm telling you that, I'll say it again. 13 miracles, regardless of how strong they were, it wasn't enough to get them to change. They were strong miracles, but it wasn't enough to break the back of 400 years of slavery. You say, well, 400 years, wasn't none of them 400 years old, but they was getting that 400 year message from their grandparents and it was getting passed down from one generation to the next. It's important for you to come to church. If you know, man, I, I'm not going to listen. If you know you ain't going to do it for yourself. If you know you're not going to read, you know you're not going to study, which you should. And church should be a bonus to it. But if you know you're not going to feed yourself, when, when they ring the dinner bell on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, you need to be in here. With your plate empty and your fork in your hand, hungry. Yeah. It takes time to change your mind to what you believe. And what you believe is what you will receive, and what you believe is where you're going to go. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22, to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. That means the boundaries of life. What's in your heart determines how far you're going to go in life, or how far you're not going to go in life. And what's in, how, how, the, the, Inventory of what's in your heart. How did it get there? Over the years, people telling you, over the years, your life experiences, over the years, is built up in your heart, dictating to you who you are, what you're going to do, where you're going to go. Yeah. Over the years. And so then when you come to God, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. What did he say? What did he say? What's Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 say? He said, your mind has to be renewed. Submit yourself to God. He said, your mind has to be renewed by the washing the water of the word. God said, I have to wash your brain of all of the garbage off of it that you've been exposed to all of these years. I have to clean you up. And he says, he takes the word to wash that garbage off of your head. Amen? All right, everybody getting sleepy. Y'all stand up. When we used to go to the, uh, to the prison... And I'd be in there preaching, there'd be, you know, 300 guys in there. So, and I see one of them in the middle of the thing, he stand up. I said, man, why did the brother stand up? He said, we, we, we sleepy, sir. We don't want to go to sleep, we stand up. 
I said, yeah, that, that, I learned something from that. You need to get it. You need to stand up. If you want to see change in your life. Now, if you're not committed to change, disregard everything I said this morning. Go back to doing just coming here. We still want to see you come. We still want to see you come. We want to see you smile. We want to shake your hand. But understand, it ain't going to go too much further for you than that. Until you hear enough to where you're going to look out, I'm going to get involved with God making change in my life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why did you go from that to talking about faith? Because faith is connected to your believer. If you don't believe you can change, you're not going to change. And I believe that's exactly what God was doing with him. He said, I got to, I got to, I got to, because we're going to go to the big move. I got to get their faith up to get to the big move. Yeah. So I'm going to keep with these plagues and keep this stuff going like that. And surely they're going to see it. Every time I deliver them, once we get over here to this big move, they'll be ready to fight. Hmm. They said, I wasn't enough. They ain't, they ain't ready. I'm going to have to, I want to take them out, but I just, I'm gonna have, I knew I was going to have to really, thought I was going to have to work with the kids. Now I know them. That's what I'm going to have to do. Hmm. I'm going to have to do I'm going to let y'all wander around here, give y'all enough time to die, and 40 years will be enough time, generation pass off, and we go with the kid. The kid, because this, the 19, there wasn't enough time for them to get that garbage in them. Wasn't enough time. I can still work with them. That's why teenagers hard-headed, they start to rebel at, at what the parents told you. I ain't really trying, I don't really trust what you say. So even though they had said stuff to him, them teenagers that he, these teenagers, they, they, I, I know how they are. They're rebellious. They ain't going to really believe what they said. It ain't in them yet like that. Yep. So I'm going to take advantage of the hard-headedness of the teenagers. And I'm going to let Joshua take them out of them woods. And Joshua going to tell them about how God brought them out of there. Joshua going to plant a new seed in their heart. And then we're going to get to the point where we're ready to fight. And we're going to go wipe out all of them people. And I'm going to give them what I promised to give them a long time ago. Yes. <clears throat> I want you to, I'm going to finish with this this morning. It's up to you. It's up to you. Your relationship with God is going to be what you make it. And if you know that in your life, you wrestle with stuff, it could be an addiction. But see, we, we give the people with addictions a harder time than anybody. Because you really don't understand, you, you might be addicted to stupid. You might be. Right, you might be addicted to stupid, you might be addicted to worry. You might be addicted to unbelief. But you say, well, I'm not like them. But really the same thing happening, you, you've been stunted from movement. That's how serious our relationship with God is. That's how serious God's word is. That's how serious it is. If you want to change, it has to be a constant intake. Change is a lifelong process, taking you from one level to the next level to the next level. But if you will commit to getting into the word, the Bible says the entrance of the word bringeth light. That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He said everything that was created was created by the word. Even Jesus. It says that they spoke the word, they prophesied all through the prophets in the Old Testament, they spoke the word, spoke the word, spoke the word. Jeremiah, all of the prophets, they spoke the word. 
spoke the word, there's one coming. In the book of Genesis, uh, even uh, Abraham said God will provide himself a lamb. And but they but the ram is what God brought. He was talking about Jesus. He was prophesying Jesus. And they kept talking about how there's one coming. There's one coming all through the Old Testament, all the prophecies leading up. And they spoke the word and they spoke the word. They spoke the word. And then in John chapter one, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You keep speaking it. You keep putting it in. You keep speaking it. It'll become flesh and, and be in, and live in front of you. What you've been speaking, what you've been saying at some point, you'll see it sitting in front of you. That's God's way. That's how he does it. And the children of Israel got stuck in them 40 years because they, they spoke it. They said, we, we can't do it. Yep. Ah, my word is my word. My principles are my principles. You say you can't, you can't. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we thank you. This, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for, for giving us the insight, letting us know that today that we have come a long way. In our life and in our families, we've come a long way. And there is stuff that we wrestle with still to this day that we need to get rid of. And our deliverance, we recognize that our deliverance is a process. We recognize that we need to be committed to that process. And we recognize that we need to attach ourselves to somebody else that's committed to walking by faith and obeying your word if we want to see your promises come to pass in our own life. So let every person under the sound of my voice, I pray that today, that they will keep this in mind and understand that faith don't come by having heard, it, can, it comes by continual hearing. That, that what they've heard of you in the past is not enough to sustain them going forth in the future. That we have to continue to hear your word. We have to continue to hear what you promise. If we to continue to walk in faith by which you give us everything. We thank you and we praise you now in Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated.